1: Well, I have, I'll revise my message a little bit. I think it was about an hour or so. I'm going I'm to crank it down to about, I don't know, 56 minutes or so. So bear with I'm just kidding. I know it's really nice outside, so I get it. And I do want to shout out for all those who bought brand new snow tires this year. Let me get a hand. Because whenever you buy brand new snow tires, what happens is the snow stops. So if you bought it at the beginning of the season, thank you. I was the one who got it mid-season okay, two snowfalls, I was like, that's it, I'm done, I cannot drive like this anymore, so I bought new snow tires, it hasn't snowed since, so next year, who's going to buy them at the beginning of the season, I got one, okay, mid-season, I need to know who's going mid-season, come on, I'm serious guys, this is working, what do we have, like 60 inches of snow in Erie, I mean, this is like a miracle, right, it's like 70 degrees outside, come on, Pastor Jason, shut up and let's go outside, no, it's okay, okay, so I do have some things I do want to share with you this morning. Uh, if you were here uh, on a Wednesday night and uh, we began we, we prayed for something, and this truly is this is a miracle. And I'm really, really excited to share this. I can't share names and details of everything that happened, but what I can tell you is this: It was Wednesday afternoon, and we were dry. we were running some errands actually, we're, I think we were getting some stuff for kid bags, potentially, uh, as we were running around on peach, what's that? Worship bags, yeah. We were running around on Peachtree, and I got a phone call from a pastor at another local church. Uh, and I can say the name of the church. It was Grace Church, uh, the one here on McCain Road. It was one of their pastors. And, he, and I've been meeting with him, and I've been mentoring him, and he's been mentoring me. And we are having this really great relationship. He says, Jason. I said, yeah. Because, you know, like, when people don't call you normally, you know, they normally text or email, and then they call, like, you answer the phone. I don't know, that's just what happens, right? Like, if they don't know, because, I mean, everybody texts now, and all of a sudden the phone's ringing, and you're like, whoa. Like, only phone calls are urgent, right? This is what's happened, right? Text messages are not urgent, typically. If the phone rings, like, pick this thing up. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, we've got a situation. I said, what do you mean? He said, we have a family in our church that believes that their house is possessed by a devil, by a demon. And quite frankly, we're not totally sure what to do. And so he's like, do you know what to do? <laughs> you know, like, can you help us? I was like, well, I kind of do know what to do. I've been involved in some of these things like this. And I, I know what the word of God says about this. And it says that those who believe shall cast out demons. Go check Mark, Mark 16, verse 17. Those who believe shall cast. And so, yeah, I absolutely kind of know what we need to go do with this. And so... He's like, "Well, can you come along with me? This is going to be on a Thursday night. We're driving down to the house. We're going to walk around the house. We're going to cast these demons out." And I'm like, "I think so. Let me go check my schedule." Right? So I don't want to commit right away. And so as I'm praying about this, the Lord really began to say, "Hey, there are some boundaries you need to put up, and you're not going to go run and solve every problem that everybody has every time they call. But you are able to equip and train this church on what to do, and how to do it, and that's what I want you to go do. So I met with him. I called. I called him on the phone the next day, and I said, this is exactly what needs to happen. This is what you need to do, step one. Step two, you need to clear this house physically. You need to find out everything in this house that might be from somewhere else, that has been through a, from an occult, or from anywhere else that needs to get removed from the house. You need to begin to repent and renounce As a family, they need to repent and renounce Any, any open door that they had. They need to close that door. And then you need to walk around and take authority in the name of Jesus and say, this demon, you have to go in Jesus' name. And you have to then anoint the doors and the windows with oil and say the spirit of peace and of joy will reside on this house. And you will go through this process. And as you are walking around this house, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. And you will know exactly whether it's a thing or whether it's a location of where this thing is that needs to go. And I'll tell you what. They, that, we had people praying. We had a team here praying. They had a team praying down there. He contacts me afterwards. He says, Jason, you're not going to believe what God did and how he moved. Everything that we kind of talked through and said this is exactly the steps you need to go, they did and I'm telling you it was a powerful move. They knew exactly, the Lord led them to exactly what it was that opened the door, exactly what the the material was in the house that needed to go. They took it outside, they tried to burn it. It wouldn't burn. They smashed it to a thousand pieces with a sledgehammer and they got rid of it. I mean, this is real stuff. This family, I'll tell you what, this family had their dog, I mean, if you have a dog that's staring in the corner of one of your rooms in your house, barking like crazy, and just staring at it, and there's actually nothing there, I'm saying that maybe we ought to have some prayer at your house as well. Like, I'm not kidding. This is the stuff that was going on at this house for five years. Please do not wait five years to know what to go do to take your spiritual authority. And quite honestly, you don't even have to call me to come to your house. Get some anointing oil. Take the authority that Jesus has given you in the, by his name and using his name to take authority over that demon and cast it out in Jesus' name. And they did that and the spirit of peace on that house, the the husband and wife that were struggling because of this whole thing, he was unifying them. I'm talking about a miracle of God began to occur as they took authority and their rightful place. And he calls me. I have like an hour-long discussion. He is so fired up. He is so excited. And he's like, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. I said, yeah, you're the biggest church in Erie, and now we got you casting out demons. And I was like, the unification of the church. They're teaching us stuff. We're teaching them stuff. We are coming together as a body of Christ. And Revival 2020 is coming to our area. And every single church is going to be operating in the power that they have been called to operate in, in the sphere of influence that they have, and we are going to see this place, this Erie County, be moved by God, big time. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Give Him a shout! Because part of me was just like, man, I want to go, let's go, I want to go do this, and the Lord was like, no! you, You don't have to go solve every problem. God has given every one of us as believers the authority to do certain things, and to take control over situations. And we have to be equipped and we have to be trained and that's actually my job is to equip and train people to go do the work of the ministry. So I'm really excited about that. I love when we see churches working together. You know, I think I called it the old paradigm, not that it was bad, it was just it was just a different paradigm is when there'd be a spiritual encounter or a dif- difficult situation or a demonic possession of a person, they would call one of two churches. Honestly, they would call us and they would call Grace Fellowship down, down, uh, downtown. And we've gotten calls and I've went out with Pastor Jim and we've cast demons out of people. I mean, it's just, it's some, you know, st- like biblical stuff. <laughs> stuff that, you know, you don't run into every day. But this is Bibli- This is real battles and real stuff. But the new paradigm is, no, 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 no. They're not just, they are going to know how to do this stuff as well. They are going to be equipped to be able to go do this. And every church is going to be operating and working in the power and the authority that God has already given them. They no longer have to, I'm telling you, Grace Church doesn't have to call me anymore. They know exactly what to do and exactly how to do it, and they will continue to do it. And his words to me were like, he said, I don't think this is the end of it. Now, it's the end of it for that house, because it's taken care of in Jesus' name. But his comment to me was like, I think there's more coming. I think there's more work that we have to go do. And that made me excited. That made me excited. So anyway, if your dog's, like, freaking out in the corner, we can talk afterwards. I'll give you some tips on what to do to get rid of that stuff that's going on in your house. Okay? All right. So revival, I want I wanted this revival 2020, uh, this series that we're doing, I want to read in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 through 16, this will be a little bit of a quick recap, and I want to talk about something specifically for a few minutes here this morning, because next week is Jeremy Gall, uh, he's going to be, I encourage you to come to that, uh, Jocelyn, his wife will be here, his kids will be here, just bring somebody, invite somebody to that, let's fill this place up, man, this guy is anointed, uh, to preach and to see healings happen. So I just encourage you to come to that next week. And then I'm gonna transition after him into a new series that I feel like God is uh, taking us to that'll lead us up to Easter and through Easter. So I'm gonna kind of recap this Revival 2020 here today. It says, if my people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen through 16, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name will be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So we've learned over the since the beginning of the year what it means to humble ourselves, what it means to pray and seek, what it means to repent and turn from our sins, what it means when God is beginning to heal a land, what it means to have big bold prayers, what it means to have authority in the name of Jesus, what it means last week to be lit to be led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we've unpacked a ton of stuff in the first 2 months of this year. And now what I believe cuz this is all very really exciting, but I want to end on something. I want to end on something called hope. Hope. I think we so desperately need to have a new, not a new definition, but a refreshing of hope in our lives. You know, we... I mean, if you haven't heard of a virus that's going around that I don't even want to name because I believe the name means some kind of crown or something like that. So I refuse to put a crown on any virus. The only crown that I want to see happen is the crown of Jesus Christ be made known to all the nations. So if you haven't, if you've like been living in like a hut somewhere, there's this virus that's going around that truly, I mean, people are getting scared and concerned about and people are losing hope. People are beginning to fear. People are beginning to say, well, I'm not going to go places. I'm not going to do certain things. Well, I can tell you what, church, that that is not hope. That is not hope. If we focus our attention on the here and now and what is happening in this world, and we turn to the news station or to Facebook or somewhere else to find our inspiration for the day, we will be sadly, sadly, sadly mistaken. We will. We will. We will be so sadly mistaken. Yes, there's great news articles. And yeah, I'm sure there's sites where you can read you know, good news only or whatever. There are certain things you can go do from reading. But if we place our hope in this world, we will be disappointed every single time. Completely disappointed. And this virus, you know, I'll tell you, if you're struggling at all, read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Stand on that. If you're concerned about, I don't know if I should go somewhere or do something or whatever, read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The Bible says, fear not, over 80 times, specifically those words. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. You do not have to fear this virus. No matter what they say or how it's made up, you do not have to fear it. Because we don't have to fear anything. The Bible talks about plagues and things that will happen at the end times and things that will happen that really truly will, this one is not one of them, but really truly will affect a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And this one has, I know that. But we do not have to fear it, for God is with us. We do not have to fear it. As we look at these things with, you know, this whole, it's like a sucking sound of hope out of our lives. We begin to focus on the wrong things. You know, as an example, one of my daughters, I won't mention her name, the difficult part about being a pastor's kid is they could be used at any moment in time for a sermon illustration. Okay? This happens. So, pastor's kids, Grace, I see you down there. This is not, this is not Grace, so she doesn't have to worry. One of my children, they, they had so much hope and so much excitement one morning, I was like, what is going on? What's happened? Like, is, what, did you read like a great scripture? Did, you know, like, did God give you a vision or, like, something like that? And she was like, no. She's like, I, I, I'm pretty sure that on Saturday I'm going to be able to go see one of my friends. And I was, like, so happy for her. Like, this is great. And her whole countenance changed. Her whole mood changed. She was excited. She was kind of bubbling around. Like, she was, like, really pumped up. All these things. She, she had her hope. She had her hope in something that was going to happen. And what happened is, is circumstances changed. And she was unable to be able to go see her best friend. And immediately, her hope turned into sorrow. Oh, I can't believe I can't go see her today. And she got really sad. And how many of us do that? Come on, church. This is my, you know, young girl, my young teenage daughter. How many of us do that? We begin to put our hope in something and we say, I just can't wait till this thing happens. I just can't wait till Penn State football wins the national championship. Do you know how many years I've been disappointed? Year after year after year, I begin putting my hope and we all do this of some future event, something out there that is not of God, that is of this world that we begin to get excited about. But God says, no, put your hope in me. Put your hope in me. Yes, we need to focus on today. We need to live in the present. We need to live in today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. But you know what gives us strength for tomorrow? Hope. The strength that we have today for tomorrow comes through hope. And I want to give you a scripture out of Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 13. I want to talk about the scripture just for a few minutes And I don't have this scripture up here today, but the Bible talks about, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But what remains? Faith, hope, and love. We know and are commanded to love. We begin to understand faith, but there's this thing right in the middle called hope that we begin to lose sight of in our lives. And I'll tell you, if anybody has lost hope for the future, they begin to get depressed very quickly. Because what's it all for? Why go to tomorrow if there's no hope in tomorrow? And it becomes a very, very bad cycle and it begins to weigh on us over the course of time. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope. Check that. The God of hope. He actually is hope. He's the God of it. He's the God of love. He's the God of faith. He's the God of hope. So, Which means the hope can only come from him. Nothing in this world, the iPhone 12, is not going to fix your problems. It's not going to solve it. The new Netflix documentary is not going to change your life, although oh, I'm so excited for this to be released. Yeah, I get it. But our hope cannot be in those things. Our hope cannot be in those things. Our hope can be in God and God alone. It says the God of hope fill you, With what? With all joy and peace in believing. So that means if we are filled with the hope and an expectation of Jesus, of eternity, of his second coming, of our thousand year reign on earth. And then everything else he's promised us and told us about and has delivered to us through the spiritual realm. Specific promises for you and for me. If we put our hope in that, what happens? Joy and peace in believing. So if we are walking around without joy and peace, and many a days I am in this category, it means that we are not putting our hope where our hope needs to be, in what God has planned for us for the future. Because I tell you, you can only look at the here and now for so long, and remain positive. Like this is true, right? Like some people are just positive people, like glass half full, like they can look at anything and be like, "Yeah, wow, this is great." And you're like, "What? It's not great." It's a terrible situation right and some people look at a great situation and be like oh my gosh this is terrible I can't believe this is happening be like your tire is a little low on air pressure (laughs) like honest to goodness the light came on and you filled it up and the light went off it's okay like it's okay. Your tire is okay. The sensors break all the time. But you understand there's different personalities and we react in different ways to different circumstances. But what happens is when we begin to lose our joy and our peace, it means we're not focusing on God's hope and what he has for us in the future. It says joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope. Oh my goodness. So when we put our hope in God and what he has in his plans and his purposes for our life, We abound in hope. Do you know what abounding means? Like I was thinking about jumping off the stage today. Like this is abounding. This is like jumping for joy. This is getting exciting. This is running around the building. When we are actually linked in with God's purposes for our life, we actually begin to abound with hope. And what begins to happen is when we see circumstances and situations that come against that, it begins not to affect us as much anymore. So I'm encouraging each of you, number one, we have to put your hope where it needs to be, not in this world and in God. And number two, and I'm encouraging you to begin to develop a vision for your life. The Bible clearly says, this, without vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18, you can write this down. where there's no vision, this is the King James Version. I'm going old school. Come on. It's like 1600s or so, whatever. 1611, there you go. I knew I had something right there. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, and what he's saying, where there's no hope for the future, you begin to perish. And how many of you know, when you're not looking forward to tomorrow, today becomes more difficult. And you say, but you don't understand, Pastor Jason, what's in front of me. What's ha- I know I can understand what is coming at you. And the Bible says, focus on today. Focus on today. For tomorrow has enough trouble on. But if we focus on today with a hope for tomorrow, not a worry for tomorrow, but a hope for tomorrow... So if we can begin changing the moment, here's what I want to encourage you guys to do this morning. The moment you begin thinking about the next day, the next week, the next month, if you begin to worry about something, take captive of that thought right away. And say, no, 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 no. Not worry. I'm going to have hope in tomorrow. The the promises that I'm believing for are going to continue to come to pass starting tomorrow, starting today and into tomorrow. If we can keep our mind and our focus on today, what God has placed in front of us, but have a hope for tomorrow, we can walk through life basically doing things that we could not do on our own. Look at what Peter did when he was walking on water. Where was his focus? Where was Peter's focus when he was walking on water? It wasn't on the wind and the waves. It wasn't on what's happening today, it wasn't on the bill, it wasn't on the doctor's report, it wasn't on the marriage issue, it wasn't on a relationship challenge, it wasn't about worrying about the kids and their future, and how on earth are you going to pay for eight kids' college, right? These are, you know, this was not, I mean, how many worry about that right now? Eight kids going to college, I mean, how many worry? Oh, Right? So, And God's saying, do not worry about tomorrow. But Peter had his eyes focused on Jesus. And what was he able to do? Walk on water. Something that you cannot do on your own. You understand that. When you put your eyes on Jesus and a hope for tomorrow and a vision that God has for your life, you actually begin to do the impossible you actually begin to walk and walk out in your life the impossible. And if you notice from what Peter, the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked somewhere else, sorry, you guys, I feel like it's a bad illustration. I'll be like, hey, off of Jesus. And then I, no, everyone's Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, you know what I'm saying, guys? But we begin to take your eyes off of the Savior, off of the true hope of your life, he began to sink. And here's the beautiful thing. If you feel like you're sinking today, Did Jesus let him drown? Mm Mm-mm. No, no, no. He reached his hand down, and he pulled him up. He reached his hand down, and he pulled him up. I believe each and every one of us has to have scriptures that we stand on for a hope for tomorrow. And each and every one of us has to have a vision, a future picture of your life. And quite honestly, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You're going to say, well, I'm retired now. Yeah, so? What's the vision God has for your life? What's the vision? He you? Oh, I don't know yet. Well, then seek it and find it. Because if you're not walking in hope and walking in an understanding of God's plan and purpose for your life, you begin to wane, you begin to get depressed, you begin to get sad, and you begin to have thoughts in your mind that are not of him, and you go down a very bad cycle. I don't care if you're in high school. I don't care if you're in elementary school. I don't care if you're 100 years old. God has visions and plans and purposes for your life. Ask God for it. Seek him for it. And when you get it, write it down. When you get that vision that God has for your life, write it down. I have a note in my phone that has pages and pages of pages of what God has said to me that's going to happen at some point during my life. Or confirmation of the calling of being up here. Or doing whatever God has in my life. Do you know how often I go back and look at that? Like minimum weekly. Minimum weekly. Like oh well Pastor Jason of course. Look at You must be called. You have this vision. All this stuff. And you say these things. I have to go back every single week. And read through the vision that God has for my life. And for our family. So what makes us think that the Bible says write the vision down. So that you can run when you read it. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3, I think. I might even have the scripture. So that you can run. Not so you can cower in fear, so you can take a step back. The vision has to be somewhere that you can see it with your eyes. To remind you of it. And if you don't know what it is yet, just keep reading scripture. Keep reading scripture. Let God begin to develop a vision for your life. What he has for you. Each of us are called to do something different Whatever he has. I'm going to wrap up with this. In Joel 2.28, Joel 2.28, this was my original message. I was going to preach all on Joel chapter 2, but the Lord was like, no, that's not going to work. He knew what time it was going to be. Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Church, the Holy Spirit is ready, willing, and able to talk with you, to lead you, and to guide you in a specific personal vision for your life, and then a vision that we have overall for this church and for ministry. And I encourage you to get a hold of that today. Get a hold of that vision today. Begin asking Him for it so that we begin to have hope, hope for tomorrow. Not fear for tomorrow, not worry for tomorrow but a vision that brings hope for tomorrow. Let us pray. Michael, you want to come back up here? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God of hope. Father, I thank you that you are the God of hope, that we can abound with peace and with joy in the hope that you have for us. Father, I ask this morning that you would begin to birth a vision of hope in each and every person's life that hears this message. That you would bring such peace and joy that as they focus on what you've called them to do, what you've asked them to do, whether it be mothering, fathering, a job that they might have, that they would focus on you and the hope that you bring. Father, thank you for the hope that we have of eternity with you. We thank you for your sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for raising him up on the third day, defeating death, for what a great hope we have to be in eternity with you, God. Father, I ask for each and every one of us that we turn our eyes to you, that you begin to reveal or remind us of the vision you have for our lives. And Father, may we be bold enough to write it down, to put it before us, to be reminded of it each day, each week, so that as we're dealing with the challenges of today, we continue to walk with a hope for tomorrow. We thank you for these precious things. Thank you that you are a good, good father. We worship you today. We thank you today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have some people who are on our prayer team. If you guys can make your way up to the front now. If you need prayer for something, if you you need prayer, healing prayer, prayer of agreement on something going on in your life, I encourage you to come up here and get prayer. Yes, it's gorgeous outside. The sun might be shining. But a few minutes of prayer can change a whole lot of things going on in your life. So I encourage you to come up. Maybe you're here today, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You say, I have no hope for tomorrow because I don't. I have to put my hope and my trust in this Jesus. Come up here, they'll pray with you. You can receive what we call the new birth, salvation, for the best and most glorious hope of all of eternity with him. Eternity with him. So as I dismiss, I want to read this one scripture over you. It's Romans 15, 13 again. I speak this as a declaration over each and every one of you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abounding in hope by nothing more than the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just we send this church out to wherever you have us going. Thank you for fresh vision. Thank you for new hope that is based completely and solely in you. We trust you and we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.
0: Thank you for being a part of today's faith communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.